Do you love a good cigar? I do. That's why I love my Patriot cigars. These are the highest quality long-leaf Nicaraguan tobacco cigars, and believe me, the price is right. So go to MyPatriotCigars.com and use promo code STONE for 25% off. Free shipping on orders over $100. Go to MyPatriotCigars.com and use promo code STONE. Premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. There's an old saying that in politics, a day is a lifetime, and that proves to be true, as the controversy regarding Joe Biden's mental state that was raised in the special counsel Robert Hur's released report continues to dominate the news. There has been an attempt to take a story that Donald Trump told about getting our NATO allies to pay their fair share for their protection in Europe uh, to spin that into a gaffe by Trump. But as Senator Marco Rubio and others have pointed out, it really is an attempt to not only distort what it is that Trump actually said, but a real attempt to distract from this the focus uh, of the question of Joe Biden's mental state. Uh, the, here, the, here to help me break this down uh, is independent journalist uh, and my co-host, Troy Smith, who's with Launch Liberty, and he joins us now. Roger, it's a it's an honor to be here, and uh, we got so much to talk about as far as uh, the Senate aid package and everything. Excited to get into it. All right, um, we we uh, have a lot to cover. Let, let's kind of start with uh, with uh, Biden. There's several things going on here at once. First of all, the uh, Biden White House is furiously counterattacking. First, there is the attempt to discredit Robert Hur claiming he is a Republican or he is a Trump holdover. Let's be very clear. Attorney General Merrick Garland could have appointed anyone he wanted as special counsel. And this is who uh, Attorney General Garland, appointed by Joe Biden, chose. Uh, Mr. Hur's background does not demonstrate any Republican fealty to me. Previously, he worked for Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, certainly no Trump supporter. Uh, he also worked uh, for FBI Director Christopher Wray. Uh, those are both within the Justice Department. Uh, he also, in private practice, worked for both Rosenstein uh, and Wray. So this idea that he is a partisan uh, or a Republican, uh, that's a, a political spin. But what's really more interesting now is the announcement by the White House spokesman uh, Miss Jean Pierre, uh, that Joe Biden will not take a cognitive test as part of his annual physical. Let's take a look. Does the White House think that the 
the idea of the president taking a cognition test, a cognitive test, as a part of this uh, physical is a legitimate idea, particularly just on the heels of the special counsel report, more polling, as my colleague Selena just mentioned, showing that many American people have concerns about that. Look, I got this question last week as well, and I'm just going to say what the what uh, Dr. O'Connor is kind of a uh, what he said to me about a year ago uh, when the report came out last year, uh, obviously on his physical, uh, which is the president proves every day how he operates, how he thinks, right? But by dealing with world leaders, by making really difficult decisions on behalf of the, the American people, whether it's domestic, whether it's national security. And so he shows it every day on how he thinks, how he operates. Uh, and so that is how, uh, that is how the Dr. O'Connor sees it, and that's how I'm gonna leave it. Uh, taking that kind of a test. I believe, for me, you're asking me my personal opinion, uh, he is sharp, uh, he is on top of things. He, When we have uh, meetings with him, with his staff, he's constantly pushing us, getting, trying to get more information. And so that has been my experience with this president. Uh, anything else outside of that, uh, I just shared with you what Dr. O'Connor said to me, uh, and so I'll just leave it there. Uh, I'm not really sure she understands what she's saying. She says Biden shows his mental state and the way he operates every day, and that's certainly true. Yesterday we showed a long video of his cognitive failures. Uh, doctors tell me that this tendency to remember, to, pardon me, to forget in the middle of a sentence the point you were making and just kind of trail off is a very definite sign uh, of the onset of senile dementia. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I would like to hear from Biden's doctor or a doctor uh, about his mental state. Uh, Troy, the way I look at this, he can't really have it both ways. On the one hand, uh, despite the very best efforts by some uh, on the left to spin the conclusions of Mr. Hur, Mr. Hur very definitely concluded that Joe Biden retained confidential and top secret records in violation of the law, but that he went on to say that he would not recommend prosecuting him because essentially he was confident uh, that a jury would look at him sympathetically as an elderly man with a failing memory uh, and therefore would be unlikely to convict. Uh, to me, it's one or the other. He's in great mental health, in which case he, uh, like President Donald Trump, who I think situation is quite different, should be prosecuted, or uh, he is uh, not fit to stand trial, in which case he's not fit to be president of the United States. Troy, what's your thinking? Well, uh, Roger, when it comes to Biden's uh, you know, cognitive decline, it's a very simple thing to take a uh, cognitive test. Let's see exactly how bad the situation is. And, uh, you know, like, like uh, Dr. Chloe pointed out yesterday, if if they are so certain that he is so ready to go and, and, and people like Alejandro Mayorkas say that he actually has to prepare for a meeting with Biden because Biden's so sharp, then it should be no problem to have him take a cognitive test. I mean, this was something that was raised a lot during Trump's term uh, towards the end. Nancy Pelosi was out in the mainstream media along with uh, Jamie Raskin and others sounding the alarm of the 25th Amendment. And I've seen the clip, and I'm sure we can dig this up somewhere, of, of Jamie Raskin uh, actually saying that Trump is not of sound mind and he needs to be removed via the 25th Amendment. And we know the evidence against that, against Trump in that regard was very, you know, it, it was non-existent to be frank. So the idea that Biden, who shows clear signs of a cognitive decline, is not being tested 
and and people really aren't even talking about the 25th Amendment yet with Donald Trump. Um, it was a legitimate thing that they were literally talking about bringing onto the House floor um, and, 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 and trying to remove him under that uh, statute. Um, so so I, I just I just don't uh, I don't I don't see, Roger, how you can make a case that the president would not be able to take a cognitive test or why they would even deny that unless they're trying to conceal the fact that he is really struggling. Uh, let's take a look at this uh, chart from the most recent uh, ABC News poll. Uh, this kind of demonstrates that this issue is not going to go away. Uh, 86% of voters now saying Joe Biden is too old for another term as president, uh, as opposed to uh, 62 who say that about Donald Trump. 59 say that they are both too old. Uh, that's a, an advantage uh, for Trump of 27% who say Biden is too old, but Trump is not too old. I think Trump demonstrates uh, by his uh, personal vitality uh, that he has no cognitive issues. This NATO issue that was invented on him, the more I examine it, the more I realize it is a dirty trick. It's a distortion of what he actually said. Um, I don't see this issue uh, going away. I'm trying to get uh, former Congress, uh, pardon me, current Congressman Ronnie Jackson of Texas, who's a former presidential physician, physician who was both uh, a physician for uh, President Barack Obama, as well as a physician for President Donald Trump, uh, to come on the Stone Zone and talk about this. Uh, but uh, I just don't see this issue going away, uh, no matter how hard the usual suspects try to spin. Uh, that there was a political motivation uh, behind the her report. This is the Biden Justice Department. This is their conclusion. I also find it interesting that at first, Vice President Kamala Harris defended Biden, saying it was outrageous that they asked uh, him a question about the timing of the death of his son, which is ironic because Biden uses the death of his son as a political trope constantly in his remarks, yet he's offended when other people bring it up. But uh, in a more recent Wall Street Journal piece, uh, she seems to be signaling that she's ready to step in. How do you read that? Well, uh, Roger, this is a huge piece that I think people need to really take a look at. And uh, we have it, I think, on the screen. We could put it up. And uh, we're talking about Kamala Harris uh, kind of going out into the media and telling them she's ready to take over. And I think it's important to recognize the pivot here, Roger, because uh, we're, we're hearing a lot about Biden's cognitive decline. But if you tune into the major shows, they are hammering Trump's cognitive decline. Now, you know the president. I think we, we, we've seen enough of Trump to know that this is not a guy that uh, is, is going through a cognitive decline. He has tremendous pressures on him, um, more pressure than Joe Biden has ever had on him. Um, so, so between all the lawsuits and everything, of course, you're going to have mistakes and, and you're going to be overwhelmed at certain times because no human being has ever been through what Trump's been through. But they're highlighting Trump's cognitive decline and attempting to kind of put that as a dual issue with Biden's decline. And I think that goes along with what you've been saying for the past two years, that it's not going to be Joe Biden who's going to be the nominee, because it appears that they're trying to use that stone, that uh, powerful stone about Biden not being fit for office and apply it to both Trump and Biden, because they know it's too effective to be left unmatched uh, by the establishment uh, class. And I think that's the important 
important thing for people to remember. They're trying to make this about both people being too old when in reality it's Joe Biden that's the problem. And and it's just it's really transparent, Roger. I I can't believe that we have people buying uh, that Trump is going through a cognitive decline, even to the level that you showed in that polling. It's kind of dis- it's it's very concerning. Uh, folks, if you're just uh, tuning in, this is the Stone Zone coming up on the Stone Zone. Uh, the Epic Times uh, senior investigative reporter, Joseph Hanneman, joins us to talk about the uh, two-part documentary, uh, the expose, uh, the real story of January 6th. Also joining us will be FBI whistleblower uh, Garrett O'Boyle. So you're going to definitely want to stand by for that. This is an incredible documentary. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk more about what really happened on January 6th and the tsunami of disinformation that we continue to get from the mainstream media and the Democrats. All right, returning now uh, to uh, my colleague, uh, Troy Smith. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, amazing things, but it appears to me that there's a new coalition within the U.S. Senate uh, that consists of Democrats uh, and moderate Republicans, establishment Republicans, led by Senate uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Uh, And at five o'clock in the morning, they passed uh, an enormous appropriation of millions of dollars for uh, Israel, Ukraine and Taiwan. Uh, What's what's going on here? Well, Roger, it's important to remember that uh, this was originally tied in with what's going on at the border. And uh, because the Senate uh, couldn't get that passed and they couldn't get through the bill that we covered on this show, where uh, over two million illegals per year would be uh, mandated by law to be admitted into the country, they couldn't get that passed. So they kind of tore off the sneaky uh, foreign aid part of it and they voted on that itself. And it passed at 5 a.m. this morning. Uh, before most Americans were awake at all by a vote of about 70 to 29. Um, So uh, a majority, and I believe it was 22 Republicans, that sided uh, with the Democrats. And this is a $95 billion aid package, Roger. So as the southern border is falling to pieces, as most Americans are struggling to afford prices at the grocery store, um, and people are still paying record prices for their gasoline, um, you, you have a situation where the Senate is sending billions of dollars, nearly $100 billion to the nations of Taiwan, Israel, and Ukraine. You have to ask, uh, who authorized this? Why do these people think this, that this is appropriate? And how could any of them show their face to their voters after voting to send their taxpayer money offshores as Americans are struggling? It's pretty uh, unbelievable, Roger. And I think it's important to, to, to highlight here that this is going to be dead on arrival in the House. Mike Johnson has already said that. Um, and and it's it's not it's not going to pass the House. But at the same time, you know, the fact that the Senate's there trying to hand out people's money as we're struggling, it's a really uh, it really is a window into how much they hate the average American. Uh, you really have to wonder here. Let's take a quick look at uh, Mitt Romney uh, on this topic. The vote we will soon take to provide military weapons for Ukraine is the most important vote we will ever take as United States senators. That, that just boggles the mind. First of all, what boggles the mind is that that guy was once the Republican nominee for president. But then even worse than that, why does he put the security uh, of Ukraine's borders over the security of our own borders? We have a disaster, a crisis at the borders that's manifesting itself in a fentanyl crisis, in a crime epidemic, 
uh, and huge fiscal problems for the cities, states, and counties who are struggling to both provide social services for this enormous wave of illegal migrants uh, to the detriment of the taxpayers who are seeing cuts in education, law enforcement, sanitation, uh, and so on. Yet, uh, for people like Mitt Romney, this is the most important vote. This makes no sense to me. Uh, also interesting here, and I'm not a, a lawyer, and I'm certainly not a constitutional lawyer, uh, but buried in this uh, legislation is essentially a poison pill that says that after uh, this bill passed, if this law, be this bill became law, and a subsequent president, presumably Donald Trump, cut off aid to Ukraine, that that would be uh, grounds for impeachment. Now, I think only the president of the United States can make foreign policy. Uh, we haven't declared war here. Congress has a role in that. But in this case, I don't think that provision would stand constitutional muster. Uh, and uh, it's buried deep inside the bill. Let's take a look at J.D. Vance who is valiantly among those senators with Mike Lee and Rand Paul, who opposed uh, this multi-million dollar boondoggle. So many times in the last many decades have we been asked to listen to the experts. And yet, we never actually ask what the track record of those experts is in matters of foreign policy. The experts, the bipartisan consensus, of course, got us into Vietnam a war that lasted nearly 15 years that saw the destruction of nearly 60,000 American lives and for what? It was the bipartisan foreign policy consensus, the experts that got us into a 20-year war in Afghanistan where American taxpayers for two decades funded things like how to turn Afghanistan into a flowering democracy or how to ensure that the Afghans had proper American thoughts about gender in the 21st century. Well, maybe that was a waste of money, and maybe the experts were wrong. Those same experts, of course, counseled us that we must invade Iraq because Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, and yet Iraq had no weapons of mass destruction, and the war led not only to the destruction of 5,000 American lives and many, many hundreds of thousands of innocent people beyond that, but also led to the regional empowerment of Iran, which now we are told by those same experts is the biggest problem that we face in the Middle East. Now those experts have a new crusade. Now those experts have a new thing that American taxpayers must fund and must fund indefinitely, and it is called the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, I have not seen uh, any polling, which is how we judge public opinion, that demonstrates that funding for the war in Ukraine is a higher priority to the American people than the sealing of our southern border. Uh, yet it seems to be impossible uh, to uh, get this administration, which doesn't need new legislation, doesn't need new law. I don't think it needs new funding. It just needs to enforce the current law, which it steadfastly refuses to do. Uh, I think most Americans recognize uh, the rhetorical shift of the Biden administration, who only weeks ago was insisting that our border is secure, uh, and then immediately turned on a dime with Biden himself, the president, saying that, no, it's uh, the border's not secure. I've been saying that for years. 
uh, but the Republicans won't give me the tools to do anything about it. Uh, I've seen no polling that indicates to me that funding for Ukraine or Israel for that matter, uh, or for Taiwan is a higher priority with the American people than sealing our own border. Uh, this is very reminiscent of what we talked about earlier uh, regarding the attempts to spin the results of Robert Hur's report, where Biden is now uh, has a huge failure on the border. Excellent piece in, in, uh, uh, in Axios yesterday about the internal bickering uh, within his administration uh, as the problem got worse and worse. We now have over 8 million illegals maybe closer to 10, who have entered the country since Joe Biden came, became president. Uh, but this issue continues to be uh, the subject of this blame game. The Democrats actually have the chutzpah to try to blame Donald Trump as if it is his problem. Uh, and while we're at it, yes, uh, he opposed the uh, Lankford-Schumer bill. But let's be very clear, the Schumer-Lankford bill, the Lankford-Schumer bill, the bipartisan Senate bill would not have in any way impacted the situation on the border. When they say 5,000 encounters a month, they mean 5,000 entries a month. These things will always be interpreted by government as liberally as possible. So the bipartisan bill that they try to tell you would have addressed this problem actually would have guaranteed uh, the entry of 5,000 illegals a day. That's 155,000 a month. That's 1.8 million a year. Uh, no, they're not just uh, encounters. They're actually entries. Uh, we know this from our experience. Uh, extraordinary to me that the Senate puts a higher priority on getting money to Ukraine, which is really what this is about, uh, than, than dealing with our own border situation. You have to understand, you have to question what is their motive? What is the motive? The, the, the view of the neocons that uh, if you don't stop the Russians in Ukraine, uh, that the Russians are going to invade the rest of the NATO countries, there's, that, that has no, no basis in truth. First of all, Putin has never said that. This is not about a territorial claim of Ukraine. It's about the dangers of NATO missiles on the ground in Ukraine, pointed at Russia in violation of both the Budapest Memorandum that we signed and also the Minsk Accords that we agreed to. Uh, but there's this constant effort to try to say, well, Putin wants to gobble up all of Eastern Europe. Uh, and if you don't stop him here, uh, you know, American troops will be sent. I think Chuck Schumer said that in one of the great scare tactics of all time. Uh, it is a misstatement of Russian ambitions. No, I'm not a uh, I'm not a fan of Vladimir Putin. But for anyone who has not watched the two uh, two hour interview with Tucker Carlson, I very highly recommend it to you. Uh, Putin is a very articulate for his point of view. Uh, obviously, uh, he sees things from a different point of view. But it is the one thing that I thought was impressive is. Time after time after time, he relies on the assurances of the United States uh, in terms of uh, future peace, uh, and he is constantly, according to him, betrayed. Very much worth your time if you haven't seen it. Uh, thoughts on the Tucker Carlson interview? 
Well, Roger, it was uh, really an amazing piece of journalism. And I think, you know, one of the beautiful things about it was that Tucker Carlson, while he did push the issues towards, you know, the end of the interview, he really allowed Putin to speak. And if you notice, Roger, in the coverage, the mainstream media coverage of this interview, the main gripe that they have is that he gave Putin a platform. He gave Putin a platform. And it just shows the nature of what these people actually do. Because journalism is about providing a platform. Journalism is about letting people speak freely, not about contriving your own opinions or or narratives based on what you want to hear. Uh, it, this is about truth. And, and what Tucker Carlson did by opening up the microphone and allowing Putin to speak, I think opens the eyes of a lot of Americans who have been told things about Vladimir Putin by the same people who criticized Tucker Carlson for conducting this interview. Um, it provided a, 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 a window into the thinking of somebody who we don't hear from and we don't hear things about that haven't been created by the mainstream media. Uh, whether you like the interview, whether you like Vladimir Putin, or you don't like him, what Tucker Carlson did is journalism at its finest. And I think it's um, it's hilarious to see the reaction from the mainstream media because they were like, oh, well, we've been trying to interview Putin. And it's, it's like they have had the chance to interview Putin over and over again. And every time they end up spinning it to create the narrative that they desire. That's why he doesn't do interviews with them anymore. Uh, and the idea that Tucker Carlson was able to go over there and get an interview really enrages them because he's doing the media's job for them and they can't stand that. They really don't like it. Uh, it's my understanding that CNN had a pending request for an interview with Putin, which he obviously declined. <clears throat> Perhaps this is why they're so upset that uh, Tucker Carlson scored uh, that historic interview. Last time I looked, uh, there were uh, well over 200 million views. Uh, I suspect this is going to hit a billion views uh, before it's all over. One of the other things that's important about the interview, putting aside the content of the interview itself, is to really demonstrate the extent to which the old media is dead. That Tucker Carlson can now, using the new media, in this case X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, to go right to the American people, or I should say the American people can go unfiltered to him. Uh, this really is the death knell. Uh, cable television, uh, cable news coverage will ultimately go the way of network uh, television coverage. No one is watching network, not to speak of. Uh, it is in sharp decline. Uh, cable news is in sharp decline as more and more Americans get their news on the internet. Uh, that's why the issue of internet censorship is so incredibly important. I point out again that the Biden administration has put together a uh, new regimen uh, that would be administered by the FCC uh, in which uh, having failed now to censor all of the social media platforms, Twitter now being a, uh, a landmark space for uh, free speech, uh, they now want to go above the social media programs uh, with a new set of regulations that would allow them through the FCC to uh, regulate content uh, based on diversity, uh, whatever that means, uh, or equity, whatever that means. Uh, first of all, I think this is unconstitutional based on previous Supreme Court decisions, but it is the single most dangerous thing that I have seen. All right, let, let's uh, move on. Uh, big news uh, yesterday by uh, the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, who is uh, set to, I think, deliver 
uh, a, a two-to-one beating of Nikki Haley in her home state in the upcoming South Carolina primary, uh, we finally get confirmation of a New York Times story by Maggie Haberman several days ago uh, that broke the news that Republican National Chairwoman Ronna Romney was out or would be out shortly. Uh, Romney's uh, various flacks continued to push back against this, telling reporters it wasn't true, but never going on the record and saying that. Uh, but uh, yesterday we learned uh, that President Donald Trump uh, will recommend uh, Michael Watley uh, of North Carolina, who's the state party chairman, to succeed Ronna McDaniel as RNC chair uh, and his own daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, uh, as the RNC co-chair. The most important thing here, however, uh, is the uh, would be the role of Chris LaCivita as the Republican National Committee's chief operating officer. Now, currently, La Civita is the co-campaign manager, I believe, uh, maybe the exact title, for Donald Trump. He's a former executive director of the Virginia Republican Committee, but he is also, to my mind, probably the single most capable strategist operative uh, in the Republican Party today. Uh, he is a, a Marine veteran. Uh, he brooks no-nonsense. Uh, he's about winning elections. Uh, he and the leadership of the Trump campaign, very much responsible for uh, the execution of the successful plan to win the Iowa caucuses by a record margin, then win the toughest state in the early lineup, the New Hampshire primary, by double digits, despite getting overwhelmingly uh, outspent. Uh, uh, and uh, then, uh, obviously, the uh, coup in the Nevada uh, caucuses, where Trump ended up taking all the delegates, uh, and uh, uh, La Civita, uh, along with Susie Wiles, uh, James Blair, and others, are the architect uh, of Trump's coming victory. So uh, the notion that La Civita, who I have enormous respect for as an operative, uh, would go uh, essentially to run the Republican National Committee political operation. This is very good news indeed. I think so, Roger, and it shows uh, a changing of the guard. It shows that um, you know the what what what's happening right now at the RNC is indicative of what would happen in Washington D.C. if Trump were elected uh, in 2024. I think it shows that uh, he understands the the dangerous nature of the Republican establishment. He understands that these people are not on his side and not on the side of the people that support him. Um, and 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 leaving behind, I think you know. What, whatever happens here, I think Trump's legacy will be a cleaning up of the Republican Party and a change from the establishment donor class to the working man. And 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 I think, you know, that's been that's been cultivated a few times, but this time I think it's for good. And I think that well, the yeah. Republican establishment is uh, is it, their days are numbered here. Uh, and an inspired move to put Lara Trump, who's uh, very well liked and respected on the MAGA in the MAGA movement as co-chair. Uh, I think uh, was uh, an inspired idea. Very pleased about these announcements. I hear some grumbling uh, about Watley, but I find nothing but positive when I research him myself. So a huge uh, improvement over Ron Romney, 
uh, who really is a historical figure for one reason. She's the only chairperson in the history of the Republican Party to preside over defeat in a presidential election and continue to stay on the job for yet another term. Since 1861, that has never happened, should not have happened here. Uh, it is very important that the Republican National Committee have new leadership because the National Committee, by law, can perform certain functions in coordination with the presidential campaign that can only be done by the national party. So it's important that donors have confidence in the Republican National Committee, which candidly under Rana Romney McDaniel, they do not have. Fundraising has been flat. I expect fundraising now, particularly with Lara Trump there, uh, to take off uh, and to uh, be available for what will be uh, a historic Grover Cleveland-like return to the White House. Grover Cleveland's our only president who served one term, was defeated for re-election in a disputed election, and came back to win another term. And it is not incidental that he was a New Yorker. Troy, thank you so much for joining us today on The Stone Zone, uh, and we will see you tomorrow. Coming up, folks, uh, after this quick commercial message, uh, Joseph Hanneman, who is the senior investigative reporter for the Epic Times uh, and FBI whistleblower Garrett O'Boyle, talk to us about uh, this powerful two-part documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, uh, and a discussion of what actually happened that day. In the meantime, uh, folks, I'm very serious about the products that I recommend here on the Stone Zone. Anyone who knows me knows that I've been do, into uh, alternative health strategies, acupuncture, herbs, vitamins, and exercise for many years. That's why I am proud to tell you about a great product, Cardio Miracle. Cardio Miracle is a nitric oxide uh, supplement uh, that uses a proprietary blend of nitric oxide, an antioxidant blend as well. Uh, nitric oxide exists as one of the body's most important natural antioxidants. Its short-lived gas produces in the walls and arteries of the veins. Now, nitric oxide is essential for life and is involved in many critical critical body functions. It keeps blood pressure and cholesterol at healthy levels. It supports the anti-inflammatory response. It promotes a good uh, overall health, including sexual health. But here's the most important thing for me. It supports my energy and better recovery. I'm putting in ridiculous hours. Anyone who's followed me knows that in a two-day period, I was interviewed at X22. I was interviewed by Mike Adams, the health ranger. I was interviewed uh, by Alex Jones. Uh, I appeared on Newsmax. I did uh, an epic debate on WABC radio with former Congressman Anthony Weiner. Uh, how do I keep up this energy? It's very simple. I use Cardio Miracle. Uh, it mixes with a small amount of water or juice. You take it twice a day, uh, a very small amount. It has really, really changed my life in terms of all my overall energy and sense of well-being. It's also exceedingly heart healthy. So please, folks, go to CardioMiracle.com. And when you do, use promo code STONE, promo code STONE. I do not normally recommend supplements. Uh, this is an exceptional product that has worked 
exceptionally well for me. Uh, where are we on our, our guests? Are we ready to move? Terrific. All right. Uh, thank you very much, folks. Once again, Cardio Miracle, I strongly recommend it. Uh, now, joining us in the Stone Zone, uh, we have uh, Joseph Hanneman, who is a senior investigative reporter for the Epic Times, uh, as well as uh, FBI whistleblower Garrett O'Boyle. Gentlemen, welcome to the Stone Zone. Hey, Roger. Thanks thank for you. having me back. Uh, Garrett, it's great to see you again. Last time I saw you was at uh, Marlago for the uh, epic uh, uh, premiere of Dinesh D'Souza's uh, film, Police State. Uh, and uh, Mr. Hanneman, I welcome you. Uh, you have a, a very impressive uh, journalistic career, 40 years of investigative journalism, uh, working for the Catholic World Report, the Racine Journal, the Wisconsin State Journal, and the Chicago Tribune. Uh, and um, we're here really to talk about uh, this amazing two-part documentary, uh, The Real Story of January 6th. Uh, we've got a trailer. That's probably a good place to start. Let's roll it. Calling the January 6th investigation the biggest investigation in FBI history. There are more than 1,100 arrests, and they show no signs of, of slowing down. When you take an oath, you have to abide by it. They're just going to identify you on video, arrest you, and then figure out what the evidence is after that. Those involved must be held accountable. He's an innocent man, and he has been punished for something that he never did. Every day you wake up and you're like, how did I get out of bed today? You have to stay away from the word patriot now because that's a uh, terrorist organization. We interviewed two whistleblowers from the FBI. I sacrificed my dream job to share this information with the American people. That siege was criminal behavior, plain and simple, and it's behavior that we, the FBI, view as domestic terrorism. We started with death threats, uh, the hate mail. I don't care what they do to me, but I do care what they do to my family. Our family struggles every day. And it's going to change narratives no matter what your political perspective is. Extraordinarily powerful. Joseph, you wrote this film as well as uh, obviously helping put it together. Tell us about that process. Well, we spent about 14 months putting this documentary together, going all over the country, interviewing uh, January 6th families, uh, people who have been prosecuted and gone through the system, and also FBI whistleblowers like Garrett uh, Steve and Steve Friend. Uh, we really got a good look at the hidden impacts after January 6th with this unprecedented prosecution effort that continues, in fact, seems to have picked up steam as of late is cruising up towards 1,300 arrests. Uh, about half of those, maybe a little more, have gone through the system. But there's a lot of impacts that most people aren't going to be aware of uh, that have touched uh, many, many, many families that, uh, that folks will be very interested to learn about because uh, th those kinds of stories just haven't been getting out since the beginning of this. 
Yeah, it, one thing that is absolutely true about the American left, and that is it doesn't matter how discredited or how debunked any particular theory or narrative is, if you just wait a few days, they will go back out and recycle it yet again. Uh, it's a shame that I have to say this, but any claim or assertion that I knew about or was involved in any illegal activity on January 6th or any other date for that matter is categorically false. But you wouldn't know that if you go read some of the comments on social media. Never left my hotel that day and intensive investigations into both the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys revealed nothing regarding uh, knowledge or involvement because there is nothing to find. It's a pity that I have to keep saying that, uh, but these folks are warped uh, and you can read about how I was I planned the whole thing. While we're at it, by the way, this claim that I said before the election that if Trump lost, he should declare victory. I didn't say that either. What I said was, if the result was up in the air, if it was decided, Trump should claim victory. That is, of course, the same advice that Secretary of State James Baker gave George W. Bush in 2000, the same advice that Ambassador Joseph Kennedy gave his son John Kennedy in 1960. Quite different than this claim that, oh, you told Trump uh, that if he lost, he should claim victory. I, I never said that. Sorry, I had to get those housekeeping things uh, out of the way. Uh, Garrett, uh, uh, you have uh, uh, undergone, you and your family have undergone enormous uh, uh, difficulties and hardship based on your principal decision to step forward and tell the truth. You had a long career at the FBI. You'd still be there. I guess you're just essentially willing to look the other way. Uh, you're very prominent in this film. Uh, tell us uh, how your family's doing, how you're doing, uh, and why you made the epic decision to become a whistleblower. Thanks, Roger. We're doing okay. I mean, we're still kind of in the thick of it. So I, I, I'm technically still an FBI employee. I've been suspended now for over 16 months without pay. And um, there's no end in sight. We don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm committed to this fight. Uh, even though it, like you said, it has taken an extraordinary toll. It's taken a, a you know, a, a toll on me and my family. Uh, but Thankfully, we have our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And honestly, without without that, I don't think we'd be able to even have made it this far. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to take or uh, what other different turns will happen. But for now, we remain committed to the fight. And the main reason I became a whistleblower was because of my faith I just mentioned, as well as the oath I took to this nation and the Constitution. And I couldn't just idly sit by and deal with and see the things that I saw on a daily basis in the FBI and be okay with that. And quite frankly, everybody who's in the FBI right now, they, they're aware of the same type of things that I saw, but uh, they lean into their cowardice instead of into the oath that they made. And uh, they, they basically are all victims of Stockholm syndrome at this point. Uh, Joseph, uh, if you had to summarize, uh, I know this is not easy to do, but in a sentence or two, what actually transpired on January 6th, based on all of your research and everything that's in this epic film, what would you say? Well, it was a massive protest. And what often gets lost in the discussion and the look back in the history uh, is the, the role of uh, electoral fraud and concerns about election fraud. That's often just dismissed out of hand as harebrained uh, conspiracy theory uh, by the corporate media. But you know, we've we've spent 
lots of times looking at thousands of hours of video and listened to the conversations that were going on uh, right up at the police lines with the crowds and the things that they were saying to the police and trying to explain to them, this is why we're here. We're not here to cause trouble or to harm anyone. And, and of course, we know that that violence broke out. There was rioting, but the, the crowd was very engaged in trying to monitor what was supposed to be going on inside the building. Uh, they were looking to see a robust debate on the on the election. And I think that's often lost. Uh, excellent point. If this were an insurrection, of course, it would be the first insurrection in the history of the world where the people uh, who were charged with insurrection were none of them were armed. Uh, to me, it seems to be only law enforcement was armed, that nobody who entered the Capitol was armed. Uh, Speaker Johnson has pledged to release all of the video footage. I, I would think that, uh, gentlemen, that video footage was crucial to the making of this picture. Uh, how has that process gone? Uh, and do you think there's more yet that we haven't seen? There is a, a lot more that we haven't seen. And the concern I have with, uh, with what's taken place so far since the change in speakership is the, uh, the blurring of faces. Uh, they've started putting up video on a public rumble server, which, which is great. Uh, most of it is high level stuff, so you really can't identify people. But I know that they have a, a vendor that is blurring identifiable faces. I'm hoping that they reconsider that because I think that's a disservice to the American people. Uh, the, the notion that you're going to shield anyone from prosecution uh, is quite frankly ludicrous. The FBI has scanned this stuff and put it through facial recognition six ways to Sunday. So they've identified thousands of people that they will potentially prosecute in addition to the ones they've already gone after. So uh, what's missing is the ability to, to crowdsource investigations. And if things were put up on a server, including a video where people are identifiable, that's crucial. You run facial recognition and we can start to track some of the suspicious actors uh, who committed violence and were never charged, arrested, or even identified. And that's a, that's a huge, important piece. And, and the Internet is very good at investigations. So I, I think if, uh, if Congress would trust the American people to dig into this, uh, we would start to get more of the picture completed. Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about a new January 6th investigation by the House. The old one was a kabuki dance. I know firsthand because of both perjury on behalf of some of the witnesses regarding me specifically and General Flynn, uh, but also the use of manipulated, in some cases, even AI created or enhanced videos and audios. Uh, this was a made for television primetime TV show but there was no interest in getting to the truth about what really happened on January 6th. Garrett, you, your thoughts on the recent revelations regarding the pipe bombs uh, at the Democratic and Republican National Committee uh, due to some of the great reporting by uh, Darren Beatty at Revolver.News uh, and also excavation of film. Uh, there are a lot of questions about this. What, what do you think happened here? There certainly are a lot of questions, Roger. And uh, what do I think happened there? I don't know. I wish I did. But uh, based on the video we have seen and the information that continues to come out, I'm as suspicious as anybody. Um, even just going back to the lack of reaction by all of the law enforcement professionals in the vicinity, they get alerted that there's a pipe bomb like right by them and 
None of them evacuate the area. None of them uh, go seek cover. None of them cordon off the area. So innocent passerbys uh, don't potentially get, get injured. Uh, th there's a ton of questions here uh, regarding this pipe bomb and, and pipe bomber. And then we find out too that it was a, an, a plainclothes Capitol Police officer who found the alleged pipe bomb. And it took three years for that information to come out to the American people. It's just, it, 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 honestly, I have a lot more questions than we have answers at this point. And when you take all of the events of January 6th uh, combined, the most likely potential terrorist example is this of the pipe bomber. Yet we have very little information about it. And the FBI will be hot to trot to accept information from groups like the sedition hunters but when it comes to the pipe bomb, it seems like it's all quiet on the Western Front. And it really does raise more questions uh, to me as a as a former FBI agent. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really wondering, what is the FBI doing? Because it seems like they've done very little. And that honestly just stokes uh, conspiratorial viewpoints. Because if they aren't going after this pipe bomber, I mean, where's the concern for a, another potential attack? This This pipe bomber is still at large. Uh, but everybody acts like it's just kosher and, you know, they're doing their investigation. I'm starting to wonder if they're even doing anything at all. Uh, very, very good point. Uh, folks, if you want to see this epic uh, documentary, you can go to uh, January6realstory.com. Let's throw that graphic up if we could, because I want people to know where they can. Jan6realstory.com, pardon me. Uh, you can also go to epic tv.com uh, epic tv.com strongly recommend that you watch this joseph uh, you have uh, obviously made a an extraordinarily powerful documentary to what extent have you had to deal with uh, internet censorship and cancellation uh, as you try to break through here with the truth well, uh, after actually before our first film came out in mid 2022 uh, epic established Epic TV because we were getting censored so badly on YouTube due to the reporting, the great reporting that uh, our newspaper did on COVID and on the, uh, on the death jab, uh, the, our coverage was heavily censored and, and it is not just in, in the United States, but also, uh, you know, we we had a press lit on fire in Hong Kong. There's been lots of efforts to, to silence our voice. So uh, these, Documentaries were an important extension of that, and uh, you know things have certainly improved, and we have more people seeking out this information, so we don't have to rely on a YouTube. Uh, we did just recently publish part one from 2022 on Twitter, and uh, it has gotten a huge viewership. So uh, we know the American people are interested in learning more about January 6th, and, and I frankly hope that Congress will realize that looking at our documentary and others to see that it is an it's a winning issue to dig into. This is not something to run from, but to run to, and and hopefully they start holding uh, public hearings because America will be shocked to its core if they show the truth uh, just of what's already been discovered and and expect more. There will be more coming out soon on the pipe bombs and other subjects. Uh, Talk to me, if you would, Joseph, about the experience of the January 6th defendants. Uh, I, I thought we were a nation of laws and due process. 
uh, and if people committed crimes, well, you know, they should be prosecuted for those crimes. I'm not sure that trespassing uh, rises to the level of some of these sentences. Uh, and I know that there's an epic Supreme Court decision coming down regarding the use of uh, law. I think it is 1512, a specific uh, area of law that's been used uh, in many of these prosecutions. But Talk to us about the impact, uh, first of all, the treatment of those uh, charged, uh, but then uh, what the future lies, what lies in the future for them. Joseph? Well, we've seen from the very beginning in terms of pretrial detainees, first of all, the, the use of detention with these uh, defendants is very unusual. Pretrial detention is supposed to be a, a rarity and reserved only for people that are so violent uh, or they are so sure and have evidence to show a judge that they would uh, they would be a danger to society. Uh, yet uh, it was very commonly used, and we've there have been reports and, and documented reports coming out of the uh, the D.C. jail, which defendants uh, called gulag, of torture. I mean, people who have been beaten, people who have been de denied medications. Uh, you know, we've had uh, cells that are filled with black molds, water shut off to toilets. Uh, things that just shouldn't go on in America. So uh, in, in terms of the prosecution, you know, we you look at the people have gone to a jury trial. There has been a 100 percent conviction rate. Every single one has been found guilty. Uh, the only uh, acquittals, and there have only been three of them outright, have come in bench trials. And statistically, that kind of thing should be impossible. You studied all of the different federal court districts. You will you will not find this anywhere else. It's unprecedented, and I think we see juries that seem to ignore evidence or discount it. Uh, we we chronicle one case in the film about uh, uh, Ronald Colton McAbee, uh, who was the sheriff's deputy at the time from Tennessee, and he was actually trying to help one of the Metro police officers who got pulled down into the crowd. He was shielding him, and there's evidence that you can see and hear. And yet he was convicted of assaulting that same officer. And uh, you, you look at that, you just you shake your head and say, uh, you know, you can have evidence of your innocence, which you're, you know, you're not obligated to put on a defense. But when you have evidence of your innocence and it's it, it doesn't help you, uh, it, it really erodes people's confidence in the judicial system. Uh, Garrett, you're, I've seen uh, the documentary now. You are in here quite prominently. That's an act of courage. Uh, what impact do you hope to have on the American people by putting yourself forward in this way? Uh, hopefully just to stoke the embers of courage. I know that it is left in America. There are people who want to do what is right. They want to do what is true. They want to do what is just, uh, but they're afraid. A lot of people are very afraid, and that includes many of my former colleagues at the FBI. It includes many in law enforcement across the nation. They're they're worried about making their paycheck, and they have mouths to feed, and hey, so do I. But you, you swore an oath to the Constitution. You swore an oath to do what is just and what is right. And quite frankly, we just aren't seeing that, especially at the highest levels in this country. We're not seeing it anymore. And so I don't like this position. I don't like that I had to do this, but I look at, I look at it as it was something that I had to do. It was in accordance with my oath. It's in accordance with everything I believe. It's in accordance with everything that I thought this country was, especially from a law enforcement perspective. 
You have to stand up for the truth. You have to uphold the law. You're not supposed to wield the law as a weapon. And that's what is what is happening right now by the Department of Justice and the FBI. So hopefully people can look at my example and just uh, gain some courage from it. It's not easy, but it has to be done. Uh, I have uh, enormous respect for you, for your colleagues, Kyle Serafin, Steve Friend, and others for having the courage, the pin that you gave me at Mar-a-Lago, I proudly wear. Uh, and I, I pray for you guys uh, every single day. My list of people that I'm praying for is getting longer and longer, <laughs> so I have to start earlier. Uh, but uh, once again, folks, you want to go see this epic uh, documentary, you can do that by going to jan6realstory.com. We're going to throw that. There it is again, jan6realstory.com. You can also see it by going to epic tv.com a very very powerful documentary gentlemen i want to thank both of you for joining us today on the stone zone uh and i hope we have generated some interest in this historic and important documentary thanks roger thank you roger uh, all right folks uh that's uh, about it for us today i do want to remind you that we are continued to be sponsored by our good friends at mypillow.com mypillow.com being the principal business organization of my good friend mike lindell and if you thought that mypillow.com was only about pillows well you haven't been to the website please go to mypillow.com and when you do use promo code stone that's right promo code stone. Now, uh, there is a new pillow. It's called MyPillow 2.0. It has a built-in cooling technology. Uh, and once you use this pillow, I think you'll discard all of your old pillows, including perhaps your old MyPillows. Other great products there that we love, the MyPillow dog beds, the MyPillow pet blankets, uh, the men and women's moccasin slippers, uh, the uh, towel sets, uh, which are on special right now, many, many great products. Uh, we need your support uh, at MyPillow.com. You can go there and be sure to use promo code STONE. You can also dial, if you don't trust the internet with your financial information, you can dial 1-800-544-8939. Please go buy MyPillow today. Uh, and uh, do all your shopping there. It's far, far more, folks, than bedding and pillows, uh, and God will bless you for it. Thanks again for joining us on The Stone Zone. I want to thank uh, my co-host, uh, Troy Smith, for joining us. I also want to thank Joseph Hanneman, uh, the chief investigative, senior investigative reporter for the Epic Times, as well as FBI whistleblower Garrett O'Boyle. I'm Roger Stone. This has been The Stone Zone. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless you and Godspeed.